Well, welcome everyone to the new year and the start of our new practice period. I hope you all received the newsletter and uh, as I uh, mentioned on the newsletter I would like to um, <coughs> spend some time during the first of the half of this year focusing on the topic of shame. And Gavin, would you like to take the, uh, the March fly out? Oh. <laughs> oh well, he's come to join us for the Dharma yes. talk. But if I can take him, I will. <laughs> they can give a nasty bite. They okay. can. Mm. Um, I was reading a book by um, uh, a Zen teacher called Bl uh, Zenkai Blanche Hartman. She tells a little story in that one that's quite funny. Man says to the Zen teacher, Master, what happens uh, after you die? And the Zen master says, I don't know. And the man says, what do you mean you don't know? You're supposed to be a Zen master. And he says, yes, but I'm not a dead Zen master. <laughs> so I hope you're all appreciating the gift of life. systems of the indigenous peoples often gets incorporated into Buddhist practice in different ways. Um, I think you'll find that in old, uh, like um, the, 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 the variety of um, different deities in Tibetan Buddhism is probably an example of the culture that it was of that time. Um, in China there's the the emphasis on the Confucian idea of ancestry. So there's a strong emphasis on ancestors and lineage. Um, in the West, I believe that um, it's definitely the incorporation of, um, of a psychologically minded uh, uh, notions. And uh, in many ways, I guess the mythology of the West is, is the self. Um, um, this. Um, we, uh, in our very individualistic culture that we live in, uh, it's all about um, all about me often, and, um, and what I do with my life, and what I achieve, and what I accomplish, and how much money I make, or how many uh, books I write, or whatever it might be, um, that gives us some sense of um, self-esteem. Um, I mean, another thing about our culture too, uh, with the, especially in the United States, is a virtual smorgasbord of um, Buddhism. So all the varieties of Buddhism, whether it's secular mindfulness down to the most exotic forms of Tibetan Buddhism or Zen Buddhism. I guess, I guess that's another um, aspect of our sort of pluralistic culture or 
or certainly the American idea of having to have choices and having lots of things you can choose from as being part of that culture. Um, the um, one of the, the uh, why 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 I've chosen shame as a kind of topic um, is. It's very much, I think, um, often it's not talked about, or it might be talked, might be talked about, but shame might not be mentioned. But um, in my practice, therapy practice, and as a Zen teacher, and in my travels and uh, listening to people, um, you know, one of the most common forms of suffering in our culture. I mean, there is there is poverty, and there is um, we know there's all different forms of abuse that people can experience in our culture as well. But in our fairly, the relatively affluent culture, um, one of the common forms of suffering is the various uh, variations on shame. Um, the the voice that tells us that we are that we don't that we're not good enough, um, that we've failed. Um, that we're inadequate, that we're defective in some way, that we don't quite measure up. Um, it captures many of us. Um, and, um, and I think shame has its origins both in our interpersonal relationships, uh, starting with our family of origin, but also in, in the, it's uh, in the culture that we live in, uh, given the fact that our culture is very competitive and uh, very focused on evaluation and very much focused on self-improvement. Um, it just increases the varieties in which we can fail in, in certain ways. The, it increases the variety of how we're not good enough. And um, so the reason why that's is this is a, a curious topic and interesting, I think, to focus on is because Zen starts from the from a, a point of view that we're sort of perfect exactly as we are, and there's nothing missing. And um, and so it's nice to look at the dialectic between those two things and. Um, and often it's uh, some uh, form of um, shame-based suffering that brings people to practice. Um, it's usually some form of suffering that brings people to practice. As, um, and um, so getting to understand our own unique form of suffering is really important. And how do we get relief from that particular form of suffering? What's the solution? Right from the earliest myth of the Garden of Eden, um, when there's this sense of biting on the, the apple, which of course is all you know, Anne and other women's fault, um, is um, it's a lot to carry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very deeply embedded in our, in our mythology, um, and the, and this, the association of like this original paradise, Garden of Eden, were we're all kind of one with 
nature. And then there's this biting on this tree of knowledge and uh, the sense of separateness and then the sense of shame that kicks in. So there's some sense in which shame is associated with the feeling of separateness. And um, we had um, Annie's youngest son visiting uh, over Christmas and they have three children. The youngest being 12 months and I haven't hung out with a 12 month year old for a while so it was pretty good. Uh, and they're full on. Um, but it was this, one of the things you really notice is the, the lack of self-consciousness of a 12 month year old. And um, uh, from a developmental point of view, it's usually around about the age of 18 months um, that children become aware of themselves. And that's often what's called becoming aware of the objective self or becoming objectified as a self. And, um, and so children start to develop the ability to feel shame at a fairly early age, about around about 18 months, which kicks in earlier than guilt. Um, and it's important to distinguish between guilt and shame. Um, shame is, is more a sense of I'm bad, a sort of global sense of something wrong with me or defective about me. Whereas uh, guilt is about a behaviour which is bad. And there's a certain sense in which uh, I can, if I recognise that my behaviour hurts someone, I can apologise for that. So guilt is a more positive social emotion. Whereas guilt can be, uh, shame can be a lot more toxic as an emotion, social emotion. One wants to hide um, or puts on a false self or um, shrinks. A lot of the common uh, metaphors for the experience of shame is growing smaller. Uh, now, So there's some connection between this sense of separation and guilt and, uh, and shame. And uh, it sort of kicks them out when we, when we chant caught in a self-centered dream. Something like the, the sense of separateness and how shame is very much a part of, it, of that experience of separateness. So in some ways it can transform guilt, uh, sorry, transform shame, um, that can maybe lead us or give us some clues as to how we practice with the psychological difficulties. Um, there's a um, my teacher Barry. Um, one day we might get around to reading or his first book. Um, he his main influence when he was developing as a psychoanalyst was a man called Heinz Kohut. K-O-H-U-T. Um, he was um, an Austrian, born in Austria, and migrated to the United States in the 1930s. And um, he was the president of the Psychoanalytical Association in the United States, but he actually broke away from Freudian theory, what's called Freudian drive theory, and, and founded this branch of psychoanalysis called self-psychology. And um, uh, in, in Barry's first book, he talks a lot about uh, self-psychology and, 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 and Joko Beck. Um, and Kohut worked a lot with people who had been diagnosed with narcissistic disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. 
Um, but he, he developed a different theory of narcissism, and uh, that was different to Freud's theory. Um, Freud, Freud saw narcissism as, 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 as a sort of very immature sort of um, love of self, uh, and, uh, and that loving another person, or what he called object love, as being much more mature. Whereas uh, Kohut took a different tack, and he argued that narcissism has, it can go off track, it can become pathological, but he argued through traumatic interactions normally, because it's, it's normally through little, uh, through when we're growing up as children, and we experience non-recognition, um, humiliation, um, invalidation, all the various ways in which a child can experience shame, then how we shrink and we develop our defensive strategies to that. Um, Bukovic also argued that actually self-love um, has a healthy adaptive developmental line and that as it, as it matures, as it matures from more very early stage to a more mature stage, it, it leads to creativity and uh, um, good sense of humour and ability to deal with impermanence and a development of wisdom. And, um, and he gives some clues as to how that's, that view of, of how we transform early narcissism uh, into a healthy form of narcissism, uh, which leads into what I would call a, a form of compassion for self and others through how we expand what it is we, how we expand our narcissism to include the whole, to include the world uh, gradually over time, how we, how we expand the boundaries of the self to um, relate, um, often that starts with our own family, um, but we know that's also not always the case, um, but like the sense in which how we start to relate to other people um, um, as not being in the, in the Zen, in the Buddhist sense of this idea of non-separation. How do we work with that psychologically in a gradual way? Like we hear these stories about the big enlightenment experiences where all of a sudden we experience the oneness of everything, which is true, but like most of the time we don't experience that. We experience all these boundaries. But like how we work on the edge of all those boundaries to gradually um, embrace um, others as not being separate to us. And also every aspect of what we relate to uh, as being not being separate to us. That sense I've talked about before about that bringing that tenderness towards and that sense of you know polishing the car with tenderness or the sense of bringing that sense of the bird sounds, the, um, the wind, along with people we're relating to, is not being, it's all where the inner and the outer has that sense of being one. And so shame um, and the transformation of shame can be seen as a marker as to um, how we transform that sense of early traumatic experiences of feeling separate and hence holding ourselves back to actually being more at ease. Um, and um, there's a, um, a, 
a, a woman called Brené Brown in the United States who rose to uh, popularity in a TED talk she gave on shame. And uh, she talks about um, vulnerability a lot, but it's the sense in which um, there's a, co a close relationship between shame and vulnerability. And the uh, movement towards allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, we need to transform that experience of fear of being shamed. Um, the more visible we can step out to expose ourselves to, to showing ourselves, you know, shame is hiding ourselves and often hiding our light under a, under a bushel, so to speak. Whereas to be vulnerable is, is that act of courage if, of actually allowing ourselves to be seen uh, in all our different vulnerable emotional aspects. Uh, and we, might, we, we might make a mistake, but that's fine. We're actually out there and, 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 and being okay with that. Um, so there's a sense in which this sense of the, the, the transformation of shame leads the, to the ability to be okay with being vulnerable and, and uh, where that can take us. So there's, there's lots of different um, 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 ways in which shame can be explored. And, um, so we'll be touching on that uh, throughout this year, first half of this year. And um, I strongly recommend, um, if you haven't already done so, you know, reading Joko's first book and then, um, and then moving on to um, Barry's first book, which is this one. Because one of the paradoxes of Buddhism from a psychologically minded point of view is, okay, well, you know, if the self is an illusion, what, well, what's this self we're talking about, which has a history, you know? What's this self we're all trying to defend and protect? And does it really exist or not? Um, so these are interesting questions to discuss as well. So, um, we'll uh, just leave it at that for now.